This book has been selected to guide you on your journey towards self-love. If you like it, you can get the full audiobook for free by taking Audible's 30-day free trial just by clicking the link in the description. Enjoy. Graders and measured whether these kids were using more shame self-talk or guilt self-talk. In other words, when something happened, let's say they struck out at a baseball game or they got in trouble at school, were they able to say, God, I made a bad choice or I didn't do well on this? Or do they immediately go to that place of, I am not enough, I am stupid, I am wrong, I am bad? So researchers were able to go in and measure kids to find out whether they were guilt-prone or shame-prone in fifth grade. This group of researchers followed these kids in a nested cohort study and looked at them again as seniors in high school. And what they found is incredibly important for parents to understand. The shame-prone kids were more likely to attempt suicide, drop out of high school, and engage in high-risk drug, alcohol, and sexual behaviors. The guilt-prone kids, on the other hand, were more likely to finish high school, apply for college, engage in community activities, and engage in lower-risk sex, drug, and alcohol behaviors. There is a tremendous difference between shame and guilt. There is a tremendous difference in saying, I love who you are, but these choices or these behaviors are not acceptable. And I think if there's one thing that we can do to start really cultivating worthiness and wholeheartedness in our families is to get our heads and hearts around the differences between shame and guilt and how they play out in our home life. One of the things that's interesting is researchers looked at fifth graders as the younger cohort simply because it is very difficult to tease out whether kids use more shame or guilt self-talk any earlier than ages 8, 9, and 10. Let me back into that and tell you why. Between about 18 and 24 months is when children develop a separate sense of self. This is when children for the first time realize they're not us. And I know that sounds crazy, but let me tell you about some studies from the 60s where they sat young children under two in front of a mirror next to the primary caregiver, who in this study was primarily mothers. They put rouge on the little baby's nose and set them in front of the mirror to watch what would happen. And here's what happened over and over again. The child looked in the mirror, realized there was something on his or her face, looked up at mom looked back at the mirror, and then tried to wipe the rouge off of mom's face, even though it wasn't on her face. It was only on theirs. Before around age 24 months, we don't have a separate sense of self. This is why, you know, we hear so much about attachment being so important. Same researchers took these children after this separate sense of self had developed, after approximately 24 months, put rouge on the child's nose, set them in front of the mirror next to mom, Child looked in the mirror, saw the rouge, looked at mom, looked back at the mirror, and wiped it off their own nose. This is why if you're listening right now and you're parenting an 18 to 24-month-old or you've ever parented an 18 to 24-month-old, you're thinking, ah, I get it. This is a really 
difficult touchstone, which is a word that T. Barry Brazelton uses a lot in his research. It's a very difficult developmental milestone because as children develop a separate sense of self, they want to, you know, kind of practice not having strings. This is why at this age, when you say sit down, they stand up. You say come here, they run the opposite direction. I have great memories of Charlie. We'd put peas, you know, just shake peas loose on his little tray in his high chair, and we'd say, now, Charlie, you have two choices. You can either leave the peas on the tray or you're done eating. But if you're throwing them on the floor, you know, that means you're done. And he'd pick up those peas one by one, and he'd wait until he was completely locked into eye contact with us. And then he'd just put his little hand over the edge of that tray and open up his fingers until the pea just fell and hit the floor. And he would do it over and over. Defi- you know, it looked like defiance. What's interesting, I think, about the way we think about developmental milestones and, and again, touch points, as T. Barry Brazelton would talk about, is that my husband's perspective, he's a pediatrician, when he has a patient come in um, and he's talking to a parent and they're between ages 18 and 24 months, he's hoping to hear struggle. When mom or dad say something like, oh, my God.